Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked. Grilled, sauteed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed. Your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Good cooking at Beef. It's what's for dinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Well, it's another Friday afternoon here in downtown Startville. We're in the Farm Bureau studios, and it is our Friday deep dig brought to you by Tracks Plus, Charlie Winfield, Bart Gregory. May have a little extra noise in the studio today as they're setting up for Bulldog Bash out on Main Street. Got everything shut down, and when the base gets to going, it starts to shaking things around. But Bart, much like the Postal Service, nor rain, nor hail, nor sleet, nor sound checks will keep us from our Tracks Plus Friday Deep Dig. Here's the thing to me, Charlie, about sound checks is it's never the music of the actual artist. I mean, they're playing everything from country to rap to rock. We may have heard some ABBA out there a little while ago. By the way, if I gave you the choice between ABBA and Ace of Bass, who would you choose? I'm going ABBA right there. Absolutely. And they spawned a Broadway hit, man. <laughs> they did. They really did. Yeah, so that's the thing about music is you've got uh, you got a lot of different a lot of different things being played right now out there on the sound check. But hey, it's going to be rocking later tonight, Bulldog Bash. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But before we get to that, we got to dig into some football. Yep, football on the road tomorrow. Arkansas, the opponent, and Charlie. I guess you know here's the thing that stands out to me about this Arkansas game. You know, last week we were getting together. And we said we need one of the next four conference games to go along with that Tennessee State game that we kind of have penciled in that win just to get bowl eligible. But the way we played over the last two weeks against Vanderbilt, and then without doubt the best game you played all year, well, maybe NC State, but Kentucky was as well played as we've played this season. Now all of a sudden people are sitting there saying, hey, man, we can go to Arkansas and win. Hey, man, you know what? There's not a game on the schedule that we can't win. And now everybody's like, hey, we're going down in three. So it's amazing what a week will do for you. And, hey, I tell you what, to be honest with you, it kind of changed my thoughts as well. Yeah, going to Arkansas, this is the team that kind of set you back a little bit last year. And just looking at their numbers, they're very similar to Kentucky to me where they got off to that early start. Now, the thing Arkansas did that Kentucky didn't do is they've got some quality wins. They beat Texas A&M on a neutral site. They beat Texas early in the year. That's when people began to think that this is a good Arkansas team that's turned the corner. But, you know, Texas has taken its normal dive because they have no offensive and defensive linemen, and that's kind of come to light now. So that win is not as big right now as it was a month ago. So, yeah, going to Arkansas tomorrow, always a tough place to go and play, but not an overwhelming place to play. No, you know, for whatever reason, we've had more trouble going to Little Rock than we had to Fayetteville. I yeah, think because, we actually all time have a winning record in Fayetteville. Little Rock, yeah, when you got one, when you got to dress seventy five guys in a locker room, it fits about twenty five. I mean, everything is uncomfortable, and it's just a dump. I mean, it's just a complete dump. I've been to a lot of places, Veterans Memorial Stadium in Jackson being one of them. And let me tell you this: War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. It's a tough place to go because it gets you out of your comfort zone, as they say. So how is it that they end up going back there to play games? I think a lot of it has to do with local politics, but we're not getting into local and state politics. Oh, yes. We've been reminded. All right. So 
As we do every week on the Friday Deep Dig, we both take an opening look at the ball game, and we've kind of settled into our routine. You go first, but before you do, we'll remind you that we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, in all 82 counties, they've got somebody you can go see for your insurance needs. And if you want to get online, play around, look at favorites.com. They can help you find the coverage you need with the great service to back it up. Charlie, my opening statement is this, and I think this game is going to come down to one thing. Arkansas's ability to run the football, our ability to stop the run. It's going to be very similar to what we saw in the second game of the season. I think Arkansas, to me, looks like a team that's almost exactly like NC State. They're going to rely on their running backs who can run the ball extremely well. They've got a quarterback that's more than serviceable, even though I would take K.J. Jefferson over Lyra of NC State any day of the week. This is a team that likes to establish the run. And in today's world of college football, outside of the triple option, you rarely see teams trying to run it as much as Arkansas does. This is an old-school type team, and that's the thing about Sam Pittman. He's got a big, strong quarterback. He's got a good offensive line, and he's got a couple of decent running backs. He's got a really good wide receiver, but they are going to try to establish the run. And for Mississippi State, like last week against Kentucky, you saw it early, Kentucky trying to establish the run. The big key is can you stop Arkansas in this game on the ground? All right, so I want to ask you this. You mentioned NC State in your comparison there. Wouldn't you say they remind you a little more of us in the Chris Ralph years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly who they are is they have that big, strong running back. It's not Nick big, Fitzgerald. Big, quarterback, right? Yeah, big, strong running backs and big, strong quarterback. It's not the situation of a Nick Fitzgerald who was probably more elusive than any of those guys. But you've got a guy at quarterback, and it's very similar early on to Dak Prescott to be honest with you, before we turn him loose, 2013 Dak Prescott. From a standpoint of if you have third down and one or if you have fourth down and one, you know what Arkansas is going to do. Well, if you get them a third and fourth down and four yards or less, there's about an 80% chance it's going to be that zone read with the quarterback and the running back, and then you don't know who's getting it. But one of them is going to have a real good chance because they get to running downhill and they're tough. And both those guys, I mean, whether it be the running backs, whether it be Raheem, whether it be Smith, whether it be K.J. Jefferson, all those guys run hard. Like you just said, they all run downhill. They're all pointing north when they get hit. They're never pointing sideways or backwards. They're north and south guys. And that's the thing that Arkansas is going to try to do is get you in third down and fourth down and short. All right, so we remind you that this is our Tracks Plus Friday Deep Dig. And, Bart, you talk about Tracks Plus. You talk about guys who have great service, great equipment, great used equipment that they'll even let me drive. Yep, it's hard to believe it's been a little bit of time now. It seems to me like we need to get you back on a piece of equipment. I think this time it needs to be an excavator. I think we need to dig a hole. I think you, we let you drive the first time. Now I think we take it the step further of letting you actually – Pick up a piece of a, you know, of wood, tree, whatever, or dig a hole. We need to get you to the next step of dirt construction. Well, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to get a hold of one of those mulchers. That's what I would like to do. But not with me around. Well, that's I will not. Fair. I will not be around if you're on anything that's slinging wood like those <laughs> mulchers do. Well, you had your opening look at the ball game. I'll tell you mine. I think this is a ball game of contrasting styles. I mentioned it a moment ago, but Arkansas reminds me of Mississippi State in the Chris Ralph years because here's what you've got. Consider this, by the way. Talk about contrasting styles. We are the only team in the league that doesn't rush for 100 yards a game, 
they are the only team in the league that rushes for more yards, 247, than they throw, 216 on average. But the thing they do, a lot of times you think about a running offense as being this three yards in a cloud of dust. They're actually one of the most explosive offenses in the SEC. They have the highest percentage of explosive running plays of anybody in the league. And a lot of those come from the quarterback, Jefferson. He's big. He's strong. His, he can throw it okay. His numbers are better than the eye test. And you could have a great debate of whether you want to look at stats or just look out there and see. His numbers turn out better than he looks to be throwing the football. But his biggest attribute is this. He doesn't turn it over. He doesn't let you settle in defensively. And it, you have to watch him. You don't know whether he's going to pull it. You don't know whether he's going to keep it. You don't know whether he's going to go off play action and throw it. The guy comes at you in a lot of different ways, and I think he's a complete player. Very, very different offensively than Mississippi State. Charlie, here's the thing I look at. When I look at Arkansas in the numbers, and I look at Kentucky last week, and then the week before that in Vanderbilt, and when we start pouring through numbers and looking at individual games, and I really don't want to go into our numbers before I say this, it's amazing to me when you start looking at other teams in their play-by-play and game-by-game, I don't think people firmly understand just how good Georgia's defense is. That's what's amazing <laughs> to me. I mean, that's a side show, and we could talk all day about this. But you, you, the reason that comes up is because when you look at what Arkansas has done all year, and then that Georgia game just sticks out. It they just leaps nothing. off the page. They got nothing. So think about this. This team has rushed for 200 yards Every game saved two. All right, they went for 197 against A&M, 75 against Georgia. Seven of their ten possessions against Georgia were three and outs. And you could say, a lot of people would look at that and say, boy, Arkansas just wasn't very good. I think you hit the point. It's the exact opposite. It's just how dang good Georgia is. Yeah, no, I mean, this is an offense that was okay against Texas A&M that was just awful against Georgia because it was all Georgia. And then they come back the following game and score 51 against Ole Miss. That's the thing about this team. It's almost like you're getting all your stats based upon seven games. Now, Alabama is a pretty good defense. And, yeah, we played Alabama, which skews our stats just a little bit. But nowhere near what Georgia skews opposing team stats. That's the thing just that stands out. Them. Absolutely. So, I'll say this before I kind of wrap up here. I think the key to this game tomorrow is composure. Composure, composure, composure. You know, when we won at Texas A&M, we had something go right for us early. Last week, when we won versus Kentucky, we had something go wrong. We were in a hole, but we were able to dig out. It's one thing to do that at home. It's another thing to do it on the road. You got a team in Arkansas is trying to get bowl eligible themselves. For me, can you weather the storm early in a ball game tomorrow? Because I think you might have to. And you look back, we talked about NC State a moment ago. What did we do against NC State? You had the opening kickoff return for a touchdown. What did you do last week? You got yourself in a hole, but you were able to come out of it because it was just so early. But I I agree with you, Charlie. This is going to be one of those games where if something bad happens early, it can really determine how you go about your your offense and your defense the rest of the way. And so you have to weather the storm early in the game because it is a road game in the SEC. And I go back to the point that I made a little bit ago. It's not an overwhelming place to play in the SEC. It'll be a good atmosphere tomorrow. It won't be, as we said, an overwhelming atmosphere tomorrow. So that's my initial thoughts of this one. You want my three numbers? Well, yep, let's take a look at our three numbers. This is our 3-2-1 segment where we go through three numbers, two players, one opposing coach. 
to take a look at this ball game and Bart won't you lead us off with our with your three numbers? And you talked about those numbers brought to you by Tracks Plus. Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton, they're over in Columbus. Ken Crosby's down in Hickory. Gresh Howell is down in Summit, Mississippi. And Hoop Weems over in Alexandria, Louisiana. Go by and see all those guys for some of that great Barco equipment for the Forester or Saney equipment if you're in the construction, the dirt construction world. My three numbers, I'll start with 50, okay? Number 50, and I think what we found last week, Charlie, against pretty good Kentucky defense is how you beat teams like this, how you beat teams that are solid on the defensive side because Barry Odom's style on the defensive side is going to be solid. And my number 50 is the percent of times that our third downs need to be four or less. And what I mean by that is last week we were six for six on third down and four or less. Outside of that, we only got one first down. I think Arkansas, with the way they drop back, this is their style. If you remember back to last year, this is the team that laid the blueprint for everybody. Rushing three, settling back with eight, that's who Arkansas is. They're that cloud defense, that bend but don't break, that old Bill Clay style from the 1980s here in Startville. That's what Barry Odom and his team wants to do. They are a very good tackling team. So if you get into third down and eights, in this game, just by the level of where they are defending with their linebackers, it is going to be tough to stay on the field. This is the best team in the SEC in third down defense. Teams converting third downs against Arkansas only 28%. That's why for us, it is so, so important to be in third down and four or less. And when we get third downs, it has to be four or less 50% of the time tomorrow. So in the post-game show tomorrow, we'll be pulling up the stats, and then we can dig into some of the kind of the more advanced numbers. What I take from what you just said is that one of the important numbers we're going to be looking at is first down success. Yes, first down success. That's going to be it. And we were pretty good at that last week. We rushed it a few times on first down last week. But we were always in the drives that mattered to stay on the field. We were always in third down and four. This is an Arkansas team in the zone where you're going to have a little bit of space inside of five yards. But once you start going into six and seven and eight yards down the field, Will Rogers, when he drops back, is going to think there's 12 guys out there defending six. All right, so 50 is your first number. What's your second? Second number is four. And we talk about Arkansas running the football. We can only give up four yards per carry on first down. Here's what Arkansas wants to do. They run it 65% overall as a team, but they run it 62% on first down. 109 rushes, 67 passes. They try to establish each drive and each first down with a run. They are going to try to get in second down and short yards. We talked about it being imperative for us to be very successful on first down. That's what Arkansas has done this year. They are successful on first down to get them into that third down and two so big K.J. Jefferson can get that short yardage first down. So I think it's big for us to hold their running backs to four yards per carry on first down runs. Because if you do that, you've got a better chance of putting them in obvious passing downs, which is where they don't want to be. Not at all. Not at all. My third number is zero. And, Charlie, I I hated to kind of go over the top here, but I am. I'm going to expect perfection tomorrow, and that's zero turnovers. And I know you're sitting there saying, well, of course, but here's the reason why. Tomorrow is essentially a game 
where it's two teams playing zone defense and basketball. Okay, what do you have when you play a zone defense and basketball? You rarely have turnovers. A lot of rebounds. You have a lot of rebounds and no turnovers. Here's the thing about Arkansas. They don't force turnovers. They've gotten one fumble all season long. We talk about us. We've only gotten three all year. Got one last week. Been forever since we had gotten one. They've only recovered one fumble this year, and they've picked off seven passes. So they have eight turnovers that they force. So that's the big thing. They don't force turnovers. But the other side of that is is they don't turn it over either. They've only had five fumbles this year, two by Raheem in the Ole Miss game. But they've only had five fumbles this year and three interceptions. So they don't turn it over either. And so you can't be the team to blink tomorrow. I'm not expecting our defense to go out and force any turnovers tomorrow. I mean, I would love to. To me, it's gravy because Arkansas just doesn't turn it over. But you can't be the team to lay it on the ground tomorrow because that's essentially breaking serve. All right, so 54 and and zero zero are your three numbers. My first number is 200, and that is the yards rushing that I think we need to hold Arkansas to. You know, keep in mind, as we said earlier, this is a run-first team. They want to run it with their running backs and their quarterback as well, and they're good at it. Talked about this a minute ago. They've only been held under 200 yards twice. One of those, that crazy game against Georgia. The other one, just barely under it by A&M. This is not a team you're going to shut down. You know, we could be tough and say, well, we need to do what Georgia did. Teams don't do what Georgia did. That That's an anomaly. But can you be as good as A&M was? If you hold them to 200 rushing yards, that's about 50 off their average. I feel pretty good. Now, what's the key to that? About a third of their running plays are zone reads. Effectively, the quarterback's going to have the option to hand it off or keep it. You're going to have to play disciplined football tomorrow. You're going to have to see Rocket Sanders back there, K.J. Jefferson. Both of them are difficult to tackle. But you're going to have to play some assignment-based football tomorrow and not go chasing where you think the ball is going. Got to put it all together, hold them to 200. And one of the reasons, too, with that, Charlie, is you talk about mesh points and K.J. Jefferson, the last – Two SEC games against Ole Miss and Auburn, that's when he's really started running the ball a lot more. I mean, early on, he was running some powers, some, but they've gotten more dual action out of him over the last couple SEC games where he's going and reading that read option. I mean, it's that's what's kind of become their bread and butter after that Georgia game. If you go and you look at what I call the runs that matter – in games that are tightly contested, in situations where you have to have a first down, he is more likely to keep the ball than to give it away. He runs it more when they have to have it. So look at Jefferson running the ball, but as a team, hold them under 200. My second number is eight, and I think we need to hold Arkansas to eight yards per pass attempt tomorrow. This isn't a team that throws it a ton. I might have said this earlier, but Will Rogers has almost twice as many completions as they have attempts. So it's not a team that's going to sling it around. But they've been pretty decent at it. And the thing they've done, they've been able to throw the ball downfield some. Jefferson, again, I go back to this. I watch him in the Ole Miss game, and I think, golly, this guy's a terrible passer. But somehow he connects. But the two games they struggle with, Georgia and Auburn, they couldn't get anything downfield. And when they had to throw underneath, there just wasn't anything there. I think it's a ball game tomorrow where you talk about putting pressure on your defense because what I'm saying is we've got to be really good up front. And, by the way, we got to be really good on the backside, too, to hold them under eight. But I think it's going to be a key tomorrow to hold them under eight. How do you do that? It goes back to the number you had earlier, and that is you got to have success on first down defensively, put them in obvious passing downs. Then I think you have a better chance of keeping things underneath. Yeah, we'll talk about their play action in just a minute. Play action doesn't work a whole lot on second and third and long. 
because at the end of the day, I know as a linebacker, that it's really not coming. And it goes back to that point of making sure that you don't give up viable yardage on first down. And my last number is two. That's the number of three and outs I think we can have. We have to stay on the field tomorrow. Even though we're going to be throwing it around, we've seen what we are. And you go back to Kentucky. We were so good because Kentucky basically never had the football. We dominated time of possession. You have to keep your offense out there. We're third best in the league in staying on the field. We don't go three and out very often. Tomorrow would be a terrible time for us to do that. Arkansas is certainly capable of forcing three and outs. Now, their defense against Ole Miss, we talk about Georgia skewing the stats for the Arkansas offense. I mean, they were so bad against Georgia, it knocks everything down. Their defense was so bad against Ole Miss that it throws everything off as well. But Arkansas has been pretty decent on defense this year, save for that. I think the key for us, though, stay on the field, keep their defense on the field, keep their offense on the sidelines. So I'm going to give us two three and outs. Yeah, they've had two outlier games. You talk about Georgia, about really how they stuffed them. And then you look at the Ole Miss game when they give up so many yards, and then they got so many yards in that game. Yeah, I agree. Your number's right there. We've got to stay on the field. Now, I'm not asking for 40 minutes like we had last week because you talk about outliers. That was as good as it gets last week. No, I'd sure take it. Oh, yeah, I'd take it, too. I'll ask for it. it. I don't think it's necessary. No. All right, so that's a look at uh, our three numbers. You were 54-0. and zero. I was 208-2. and two. So now we'll take a look at our two players. My first guy that I'm going to highlight is the guy we're talking about, and that is K.J. Jefferson, 6'3", 245. He's a big dude, sophomore from Sardis, Mississippi, North Panola High School. You know, the thing about K.J. Jefferson, and, and Arkansas has come into Mississippi over the last you know five, six years and recruited okay, but he is the only Mississippian they have on their roster. When you look back at North Panola in 2017 as a sophomore, they went 13-1, and one, went to the North Half Semifinals in Class 3A, and then the following season they went 12-2 and two, and once again went to the North Half Semifinals. So he had a really good high school career at North Panola. You look over his season, we talked about that big game against Ole Miss. He had three rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns. You know, in his previous two years at Arkansas in 19 and 20, he's played sparingly but only completed 47% of his passes coming into this year. And that's why there was a lot of people around the Arkansas fan base who were kind of questioning can K.J. Jefferson get it done in the league in today's time when you have to throw the football? Well, he's responded well. He's thrown and completed 62% of his passes this year. He's been sacked 12 times. He has 15 scrambles. And so he's kind of going to hit that eject button pretty quick because he knows he can run, especially over the last three weeks. He's averaging 10 rushes per game, 52 yards per game on the ground. But here's the thing about K.J. Jefferson, and I go back to my point, and one of the reasons I came up with my number about the four yards on first down is the play action. Charlie, they're almost 50-50 when they throw the football of whether they use play action or not. And to me, that is what's crazy. When you look at all the stats of all the teams around the country, this is the highest percentage I've seen of anybody that has play action to go along with their passing game. And so you've got to make play action not matter. That's the whole key with this. But K.J. Jefferson has gotten better, and he's really turned into a big-time viable quarterback in the SEC. That's my first player. All right, and how about your second? Second player is the guy he's going to throw it to, and that's uh, Traylon Burks. 
Traylon Burks, 6'3", 225 from Warren, Arkansas. He was a four-star guy out of high school. And the thing that Arkansas, they do, they, they rush it 370 times this year, 197 passes. So they are 65% of the time they're going to run the football. But the thing about Traylon Burks is he's got a 70% catch rate. When they throw it to him, they complete the passes. He started in nine games as a freshman. He only has three drops. Two came in the season opener. So in the last seven games, this guy's got one drop. He's got four contested catches, two against Ole Miss, two against Auburn. So they're throwing it up to him a little bit more. But here's the key to it, Charlie. When K.J. Jefferson throws a pass 36% of the time, over a third of the time, he's throwing it to Traylon Burks. So he is the guy they are looking for. And the thing about Burks, you mentioned not having big plays. In the last three games, he's had at least one completion over 30 yards. He is a big play threat. Number 16, former four-star wide receiver from Warren, Arkansas, Traylon Burks. All right, so let's look at your two players. My first player is Jalen Catalan. Catalan's a safety for Arkansas. His brother's a receiver. He is a preseason All-American, and you're about to say, but Charlie, he got hurt. He's not playing anymore. He had shoulder surgery. That's true. But I want to talk about him anyway because he's not going to be there. And the thing that that makes a difference for is somebody else has to fill in that spot now. Catalan was a preseason All-American. He was playing well. But a couple of weeks ago, he goes out for shoulder surgery. He won't be back this year. And so now you end up having to find somebody to fill those spots. Everybody kind of rotates over. You take a sophomore, a guy named Miles Slusher, who wear number two tomorrow, He's going to have to fill that spot. Slusher has not been good in coverage this year. He hasn't been good in tackling. He hasn't been terribly good at much of anything. What you hope is that he doesn't figure it out tomorrow. Um, had a rough week last week, but this is a guy who was going from, didn't play the first two weeks of the year, played six plays against Georgia Southern, five against Ole Miss, and now all of a sudden, though, he's playing 44, 30 in the 40s. So somebody's, you know, always talk about next man up. He's had to be that next man up, but it's really tough to fill the shoes of an All-American. You know, we talked about last week, how do you deal with a cornerback being ejected? I mean, they've lost a guy for the year, and Catalan, a great player, but will not be there. And so part of the question for Arkansas, where do you fill those snaps? And the thing, too, Charlie, with this style of defense, safeties are so important. I mean, I know every every position in the secondary is so important when you start looking at zone defense. But, man, especially the safeties. you got to have safeties that can read everything and come up and help your linebackers. And that is a, that's been a really big loss for Dave Odom and his defense. Yeah, it's huge. Now, before we get too sympathetic for Arkansas and their depth issues, talk about another guy, Bumper Pool, who's been there, geez, what, 15 years? Forever. And everybody, every time we see a game, somebody's making some kind of reference about his name and about, oh, is the all-name team. Just let the guy play. Yeah, and and I will not, now that you've said that, I'm going to scratch through all my jokes about his name <laughs> and move on to the substance. Here's what's interesting. This guy leads their team in tackles, 77 tackles on the year. He doesn't have many for a loss, just three. Here's what else is interesting. He doesn't even start anymore, but he is their leading tackler. He's backing up a guy, Hayden Henry, who actually gets the honor of starting. But Poole, meanwhile, just continues to lead the team in tackles. His numbers are interesting. He's going to play the weak side linebacker. But what he does, he basically sits there in coverage. When the play comes to him, he makes it. When he's been targeted, team's only getting about three yards after the catch on average. 
And in terms of catches where he's thrown against, he's holding his opponents to around seven and a half yards per catch. This is a good linebacker. I don't care who gets announced on their jumbotron. This is a guy who can play. He is a finalist for all the big awards. And number 10, Bumper Pool, one of the guys to look out for tomorrow because you're going to have to work the middle of the field. He's going to be there. Is tomorrow the day that he has trouble tackling? Doesn't have many. You hope it's one. Let me tell you this. I always bring it somehow back to Winston County. There's a guy from Louisville named Tyler Pearson. Tyler Pearson won the steer wrestling competition at the World's Finals Rodeo a couple years ago. All right? The thing that Tyler Pearson does when he slides off that horse is he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss a steer. Bumper pool, when he locks you up, is going to take you down. He's kind of like Tyler Pearson, that steer wrestler in Louisville. He gets his hands on you, you come down in a hurry. Well, we Is that need, a good comparison? I'll play along. All right, so now let's take a look at our one opposing coach. All right, my one opposing coach is Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator. We talked about that cloud defense and about the rushing three and dropping back eight. You know, here's the thing about Barry Odom. He's been around the college game long enough now, and you start talking about, man, he's a veteran guy. The guy's my age. <laughs> I mean, what? he's still a young guy. Barry Odom's 40. I would have guessed that Barry Odom was like 63. Barry Odom's only 44. I mean, don't you picture Barry Odom? Odom kind of looking like Barry Alvarez. Exactly. He played at Missouri and graduated in 1999. I mean, literally, he was born a week before I was, which two weeks before Matt Wyatt was, okay? So this guy has been a coach, moved up through the defensive ranks. He was a recruiting coordinator. He was an ops guy at Missouri. He was an assistant coach under Gary Pinkle, that longtime head coach up there. He was his defensive coordinator and then stepped in, of course, to the head job and then spent four years as a head coach at his alma mater, Missouri. I go back to that whole thing of sometimes it's too early to go back home, and I think that was the big key, big thing there. But he moved into the defensive coordinator role, and that's what Sam Pittman did. Everybody said when Arkansas, Arkansas hired Sam Pittman, the yes, sir, and all this stuff, the thing that he did is he knew he was going to be a manager. He went out and got a good offensive coordinator in Kendall Bryles, and he got a really good defensive coach in Barry Odom. And he lets his defensive guy run the program, Barry Odom. He was a D.C. at Memphis in 2012 to 2014. He is a veteran, and he is one of those guys that just has a way of getting guys to play for him on the defensive side. So you've got a, a wily veteran, even though he's only 44 over there as a defensive coordinator tomorrow. So a really good coach you got to scheme against. I think this is the first time all year that we've both profiled coordinators because, candidly, most of the teams we've played, their coordinators had not been that compelling. But the guy that I want to talk about is their offense coordinator, Kendall Bryles. Bryles is even younger. He's only 38. And if you follow college football, the last name Bryles will mean something to you because it's indelibly associated with the things that went on at Baylor. Now, Bryles played kind of at Texas and then at the University of Houston. And here's what I love. Quarterback, wide receiver, and safety, which means we just got to put you somewhere, right? We got to keep you on the roster. Need a roster spot, right? Uh, But so he goes in, as luck would have it, has a dad where nepotism was able to get him a job. But, hey, give him credit. He took advantage of it. So he finishes up play, and he goes to Baylor, and he works as a wide receivers coach. Then he becomes a passing game coordinator and then becomes the offensive coordinator in 2015, and then – Things go south at Baylor. 2016, everybody's let go because of 
issues. I mean, all the way up to the president, everybody was gone at Baylor because of things that took place. He found a place to land, Florida Atlantic under Lane Kiffin. And this says a lot to me about where Browse is as an offensive coach. Lane Kiffin hired Browse and basically gave him full control of the offense, including play calling. Say what you will about Lane Kiffin. That guy's got a great offensive mind. And for him to say, I'm going to step back and you can have it, Browse knows what he's doing. But if I'm a good offensive coordinator and I'm a good offensive coach and I'm living in Boca Raton, I'm more worried about getting on my boat than I am calling plays. But go ahead. Yeah, that may make it a little easier. Yeah. <laughs> but So then he ends up at Houston, goes to Florida State, takes over for Willie Taggart. Taggart gets fired. And then he lands a spot with Sam Pittman at Arkansas. And it's crazy. He's got a team that runs the football a lot, but it's dynamic. So that's my coaching profile, the offensive coordinator, 38-year-old Kendall Bryles. And that's what's so weird is when you think of Kendall Bryles and you think of the Bryles family, you think think of you know a passing-heavy offense. You don't think of running the football a whole lot at all. And that's kind of what he's morphed into is a guy that runs – a dynamic running offense. And so, yeah, I mean, he's kind of changed his leaves a little bit in the way that he calls plays. That's no, a good one. And, hey, that, that coach brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing, you just can't beat it. Made right here in the state of Mississippi, down in Florence, Mississippi. Just about every grocery store you go to now, they have a display case with a lot of Country Pleasing. You can find it just about anywhere, whether it be Kroger, whether it be Walmart, whether it be anywhere. I mean, I talked to some friends over in Georgia. They got it in Athens, Georgia, to anywhere in the state of Georgia right now. But it's outstanding stuff. Country pleasing sausage, country meat packers down in Florence, Mississippi. And so, well, just can't beat that Mississippi flavor. So now, is it time again? Time for our Two Brothers two-minute drill. Yeah, you know, we thought about going to Two Brothers today. It's too cold. Yeah, it just got a little bit cool to... Set up out there. We, the sound check starting to kick up here. Well, that's the thing. And, and, yeah, I believe you, Charlie, because the the walls have begun to shake. And we also said going to Two Brothers today that the sound checks may have been a little bit too loud because we would be outside. But let me tell you this. Tomorrow before the game, here's what I'm going to do. Before we head to the pregame show, I'm going to stop by Two Brothers and I'm going to hang out there for a little while. You can come join me tomorrow as well, Charlie, if you'd like. A little bit later in the morning, say 11 o'clock, I'll go up there and watch the early football game at uh, Two Brothers, one of the best places in Starkville to go watch games. But they've got a great menu as well. The food is outstanding, and you just can't beat Two Brothers on University Drive right in the heart of the Cotton District. All right, so it's time for our two-minute drill. All right, I'll sound the whistle and uh, get us all started. Charlie, Arkansas is the only U.S. state that produces diamonds. You might remember Pat Summerall, former NFL player, legendary broadcaster. Pat Summerall, who kind of made his name with John Madden, a graduate of the University of Arkansas. Alma, Arkansas is the spinach capital of the world. Surprisingly, it does not have a Popeye's, but it's also the hometown of Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz. But they do have the catfish hole, which serves Heartland Catfish. Memphis Grizzlies fans will know Mike Conley Jr. His dad, Mike Conley Sr., is a graduate of the University of Arkansas, was on the track team there, won the gold medal in the triple jump in Barcelona in 92. Well, a Razorback is a form of a wild boar, and it's classified as a nuisance animal in the state of Mississippi and can be hunted 365 days a year as long as you have a valid hunter's license. 
The state of Arkansas's name came from the Quapaw Indians, whom the French called the Arkansas. Well, they started calling the hogs in the 1920s when a group of farmers wanted to encourage the Arkansas Razorbacks, and it worked. The next week, they showed up with a cheer, the cry of Woo Pig Suey. Well, sometimes it's okay to change things like that. I mean, Nanoya used to have a cheer named Noxipater, Noxipater, like a rotten sweet potato, soft, soft. And we changed that thing in 1960 because we knew it was hokey. Maybe it's time to stop the Woo Pig Suey. So there are six Arkansas companies that have been selected for the Fortune 500 list. You know about Walmart. You know about Tyson Foods. J.B. Hunt Trucking is another. You'll recognize their trucks. Theirs are the ones in the right lane going slow because they limit how fast their trucks can drive. Charlie, Mississippi State's won his last four trips to the state of Arkansas. Tomorrow we're going to make it five. And finally, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, a graduate of the University of Arkansas, Jerry's greatest failure as an owner, refusing to fire his general manager, also Jerry Jones. All right, so it's another Friday deep dig. Looking forward to Mississippi State, Arkansas. Bart, throw it all out the window. I think it comes down to this. Can you defend Jefferson effectively? If you do, you win. I think so. I think tomorrow's a game that we said last week, this could be an ugly game. This could be an ugly game tomorrow. I mean, this could be a 20-17 to 17 type of game. I mean, I could see that all day long. I would feel a whole lot better if we get off to a good start. Yep, no doubt. All right, so that's another week. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back on Sunday Coffee. And I'm going to come in here with a head of steam, ready to go, wide awake, Bart. You better be this week. Of course, we're brought to you by Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. Tracks Plus, our Friday deep dig. Country Pleasing Sausage, Two Brothers Smoked Meats, and the Mississippi Beef Council. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Brought to you by the Mississippi Cattle Farmers and their checkoff. Charlie, I'll see you Sunday. Yep, I'll be here bright and early. You better have more pep next week than you did last week. Well, just don't make us be here at 4 in the morning. We'll see how it goes.